Feels like it's been flipping forever since I've done this with you guys. So the best place to start is going to be our sermon text this morning. Uh, so for those of you who have your Bible or want to pull it up on your phone or um, whatever's convenient for you, uh, Mark chapter 4 is where we're going to be spending a majority of our day. There's going to be other references to Scripture. If you have a journal, you're more than welcome to take that down, notes in your phone, whatever. But um, for those who want to read along with us, there will be stuff on the screen. But if you prefer your own hard copy, by all means, please, please join with us. Uh, so Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 1. So again, he, who's Jesus, began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him. So he got into a boat, and he sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some of the seed fell along the path, and the birds came and it devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell onto good soil and produced grain, growing up, increasing and yielding thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, verse 13. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? And then how will you understand all parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path. Where the word is sown, and when they hear it, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who... When they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on the account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others, who are the ones sown among thorns, they are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires of life, for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful." But those who were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, 30, 60, and 100-fold. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm so thankful, God, for your word. And the fact is that, Jesus, you still have your words alive today, 2,000 years later, because you were wise enough, God, to give us this. I'm so grateful, God, just for your willingness to speak to your people and love us where we're at and lead us, Lord, into all truth. I pray that you would do that this morning. God, that it wouldn't just be me up here speaking, but God, the Holy Spirit would be moving throughout this audience today and telling them things, Lord, in between my words, God, for what they need to hear. God, I really just want your people to be blessed, and I want them, God, to them to be founded in you. So I pray, God, even in a small way, if you can use this message to help that to happen, may that happen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's see. I know almost everyone here, so just wanted to say hi to all of you guys. Uh, here's a shaking of the hand for all of y'all, since I can't do it on your own. 
Um, it's been an interesting season just so far as my life goes. Uh, for those of you who've been parents before and you've had um, two young kids at the same time, you may be knowing a little bit about what I'm going through. Um, not to complain, my children are the most wonderful kids on earth. I'll fight anyone who says otherwise. And uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. But uh, it does come with a lot of responsibility, and I think that it comes with a, a heavy calling, being a parent. And uh, so I've been able to have, have the opportunity, because of how loving our church is, to step back without judgment, um, with care and concern from all of y'all. I can't tell you how many people have approached me and asked if everything's okay, and I very much appreciate y'all checking in on me. Don't ever feel like um, you can't. You know, if you ever want to take me out to coffee or lunch or whatever, I'm more than happy to, to do that. But, um, but no, we've been, we've been good. I, um, I'm just, thankfully was hit one time during my quiet time from the Lord to have the humility to say, Ricky, you don't have to be in this position when you can't handle it effectively. And is it really in the best interest of the church for you to try to stay in this position when you can't handle it effectively? And I think the answer to that question is no. Um, I think all too often we pick ourselves up by our bootstraps and not realizing that, you know what? If I can't do it, I can't do it. And so um, taking a step back, not in the sense of saying I'm not one of y'all's pastors or anything, but um, not being so burned out and so overwhelmed that when I do get a chance to interact with you, I'm not loving at all because all I'm thinking about is myself. And so thank you guys for that opportunity, and it is nice to be back up here, at least for a small time, just to uh, feed you guys, as Ron does every single week, and I uh, appreciate y'all giving him the opportunity to have off. So with that being said, um, it's been a difficult three years for anybody. If there's anyone who hasn't had a difficult three years, man, congratulations. <laughs> you are one of the few. It's been uh, one heck of a ride, that's for darn sure. Um, but with that, um, I just think there's more opportunity now than ever to feed you guys because we need it. Satan is roaming around like a flipping roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He truly is. And um, I know quite a few people who are strong in the faith who are teetering right now, and I get it. I do. It's not an easy time. No judgment there. Um, I'm reminded of the words of Jesus in Mark 6, 34, where he said he looked out upon the crowds and he had compassion on them for they were like sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them many things. Um, that's how I feel today is there's a lot of lost sheep that is out there and unfortunately they have so many teachers they don't even know what to do with, but they're not real teachers. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. Uh, the internet is a great place to find some wolves and there's plenty of it and the news media outlets, depending on... Regardless of whichever side you listen to, unfortunately, there's a lot of wolves there, too. So, um, you know, I am just so grateful to be here. So, that is my heart this morning. So, my question to start off with is, you know, will you let me teach you? Not that I anticipate anyone's going to pick up any tomatoes and throw them at me or anything <laughs> like that. I... I I anticipate that y'all will probably allow me to stand here for the next, you know, who knows how long. I'm not going to go as long as Ron, probably. But uh, I doubt very seriously I'll be booed out of the stage. But rather, my question goes, will you allow some of the words that I say to penetrate a little bit deeper? Um, to go into your heart. 
It is easy to be here every single Sunday morning, day in and day out, which is a wonderful thing. I appreciate your faithfulness so much. Um, but in that, I have found myself as of late realizing that there's a little bit of hardness in here. When we hear the same words day in and day out, sometimes you don't appreciate it for what it is. And sometimes the words that normally would stir up action and stir up change maybe accidentally fall on deaf ears to yourself because you don't let it go further. We're so calloused with, man, I, I just want to come in here and sit here in the morning. I got a thousand other things on my plate. I got to take kids to baseball. I got you know, family members that are sick and dying. I got stuff on the news. I'm afraid my 401k is going to disappear. And I could fill in a thousand different things that y'all are feeling. And to know, like, I, I can't handle anything else. If, Ricky, you give me an additional responsibility, I don't know if I can handle anything else. And I can feel that. And so I have been hard-hearted towards some of this. And that's why I stand here today. It's because I've realized that I've let some of these things that maybe used to move me not move me anymore. And um, I have come to realize that I need to maybe start seeing this instead of as a burden, but as life, because that's what it calls itself. And so we're going to get into that a little bit today. So um, hopefully the Holy Spirit is moving among y'all and we can go a little bit deeper, okay? Um, so here's the truth. Uh, Jesus, the Jesus, came and spoke and said that, in this parable that there were different kinds of hearts for the word that he would give. And depending on where your heart was at, his word could potentially do different things, okay? And so in that, there was a group that their heart was so hard that him throwing his word out would be like taking a seed and throwing it out on the street. Uh, literally just bounce off and would just lay there. It would never take root, ever. And so... Because it was like that, a bird can then just come up, swoop it up, and take it away, okay? And honestly, that's kind of where I feel like my heart has been. Um, maybe to not that extreme, but it almost feels like sometimes the word of God has just bounced off and kind of just laid there and not done anything, not produced any fruit. You know, I've just allowed, you know, the cares of this world to come and swoop it up and to take it away. And so, again, I just simply say to you, not to answer out loud, I don't need y'all to comment or anything like that, uh, but to answer to God that if he wants to speak to you something today, what do you say? Okay. So I'm going to pray one more time. Jesus, I'm thankful for your people. And God, I pray, Lord, that your word would penetrate hearts today. I know, Lord, things have not been easy. I know things are probably still not easy, that there is difficulty that your people will face as they leave here today, the very hour they leave here today. But I pray, God, just for your word that is life to penetrate deeply in us to feel that, that it feels like a seed growing. It's bringing forth fruit and life. It isn't sapping or taking away, but it's giving. And I pray, God, that we would give this morning um, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So this parable that we went through this morning is extremely important. And I have read this thing, I can't tell you how many times, a lot. And I've heard it preached through a couple of times. 
But I've never noticed uh, one particular part about it that uh, has always been there that really stood out to me this morning. Um, and that was in Mark 4.13. And um, yeah, you can go ahead and pull it up if you haven't. He says, and then, then do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? So this parable in and of itself is the key to understanding all the parables that Jesus had. That gives it a pretty significant weight of importance. You can look through the Gospels and there's no other parable in the Gospels than which Jesus says this about. Okay, So it has a little bit more weight and I've never really looked at that before. And so I'm going to get a little bit into that, but my question just starts off with is why parables, truthfully? You know, it's a confusing thing. Why didn't Jesus just speak plainly for crying out loud? I love the dude to death, but, you know, sometimes they would ask him a blatant question and he would answer with like this roundabout thing that would leave the people scratching their heads. And uh, it's almost like, you know, Ricky, do you want to go to lunch today? And it's like, well... You know, and then I answer some really kind of funky thing. You'd be like, all right, well, thanks, Ricky. That's great. <laughs> Is that a yes or a no? <laughs> so, um, but I think that uh, the reason why he did it is he wanted to reveal what was already on the inside, what was going on in your heart. And a parable is a perfect way to do that. Um, if Jesus truly spoke plainly, being God in the flesh, there would have been no one that would not have repented. Jesus could have easily opened up his mouth, spoke, and whether your heart was good or not good, you would have latched onto it and said, okay, well, I'm going to do that. Instead, he wanted to find out which camp you fall into. Um, because truth be told, we are all born of one or two seeds, either the seed of God or the seed of Satan. And that's just, and I don't mean that judgmentally or evilly. A lot of people hear that and think that um, that's a, uh, a word of condemnation? No, my friend, that's just a word of truth. You can't be, it's like saying um, a room is dark is an insult. Either the light's on or it's not. It's not an insult to the room to say the light is off. It's just a fact of the situation. And the fact of the matter is, is either Jesus is in your heart and the light is on or he's not. And we all too often, especially with the culture that we're in, think that thinking in these terms is somehow condemning. When it's like, no, my friend, by all means, I want to know if the light's on or not. Because I want the light to be on. I want you not to be bound anymore. I want you to know God. And so um, there's not really an in-between. And so when he would speak, either you would hear his words and be like, okay, that sounds flipping crazy. No, thank you. And it gave you an out to move on. Or you would hear his words and say, okay, I don't know why that sounds a little crazy, but for some reason I know it's true. And I want to check into it a little bit more. I want to find out what that means. And you see that with the disciples here. He literally goes through the whole parable he gets to the end, and his disciples come over to him, and they're like, they didn't go, man, that was really awesome, thank you. They go, what the heck did that mean? So the disciples themselves knew that what he said was a little bit crazy, and they didn't really quite get it, 
but they knew in their heart of hearts that somehow it was true, and they wanted to know what it meant. And so they approached him and said, can you explain it to us? And he did. And the parables work exactly like that. If in your heart of hearts you are resistant to the gospel, then it gives you an out to resist the gospel. If you're not resistant to the gospel and you have some kind of tin towards it, then you hear it, even though you don't quite understand it, you want to know more. And you inquire about it and you seek the truth until you find it. Okay? So that's the whole purpose of the parables is to kind of give you an out insofar as where you're leaning. And uh, we'll get into that here in John chapter 8 because it talks very clearly about the fact that you fall into either one of two categories. So it's John chapter 8, verses 42 through 47. So again, this is Jesus. And he said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If it is I who tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. So it's a very clear indication of how you respond to the word of God, what is in your heart and who you are serving. If you hear the things and they sound very difficult and you can't receive them, well, then I'm sorry to say you do not have Jesus in your heart. There's another place in Scripture where it says that it's only by the Spirit of God can you truly understand the Word of God. So if this thing is just a stumbling block to you, well then, my friend, you need Jesus. He will make it understandable to you. Without him, he will just give you the out. And so, um, my friend, I say all this to say... I just want to give you the truth so that you can take inventory of yourself. When the word of God is spoken, what happens to you? Does it do anything? Is it just words? Does it, do you have any kind of feeling in your chest at all ever when the word of God is spoken to you? If it's like seed that is thrown across on the ground and it's just left there, and it will never take root, and birds can come and just take it up, then I'm sorry, my friend, you do not have Christ in your heart. And I don't say that for any other reason than for you to recognize in yourself, because we can always make excuses on where we are at. And I want to give you an accurate gauge. I want you to be able to truthfully take inventory of yourself. Does the word of God penetrate in here? Does it? And if it does, awesome. That's great, and if not, well, that's also great because we can take inventory and that can change. But I don't want you fooling yourself going through your whole life where you realize the word of God is just bouncing off your heart and never getting in there and thinking you're somewhere where you're not, okay? So I ask these difficult things only for the sake of the fact that you can have a surety. It talks about in 1 John chapter 4 that 
and throughout the whole book, he's like, the only reason why I'm talking about these things is so that you can know if you're saved or not. Well, I'm wanting you to know whether you are saved or not. And a great litmus test for that is how do you respond to this? Does it do anything to you? And if not, well, then come talk to me afterwards and we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that. I don't care if you've been in the faith for one year or 30 years or whatever. I know of a pastor who was preaching for 25 years and uh, went away on a retreat and he found out he was not saved. Literally, he was forced by his church to go on sabbatical. And so he went on sabbatical. He was really annoyed by it, didn't want to do it. And the first thing they did on the first day was, you need to go spend alone time with the Lord for about three hours in the wilderness. He's like, oh, God. He's like, always doing these churchy stuff, so annoying. He's like, I'll just take my Bible and my notebook. And he's like, I'll just get Sunday sermon out of the way. And that's what I'll do with my three hours. So literally, he went out there. And all of a sudden, he heard the Holy Spirit say, you don't know me. I've been preaching for 25 years in a Baptist church. And um, so he surrendered his life and came back, and there was revival. He got to actually tell his people about Jesus. And so we just need to have the humility. You know, I, I, for those who I know in here, most of you all walk and know Christ. But if for some reason you don't, my friend, don't let embarrassment keep you from him. He is worth the embarrassment every day of the week. I don't care if you've been in this church 30 years. If you have to come down here to the altar, please do. You will be welcomed with open arms. Everyone will love you. So not to say that that is going to go on, but if it does, please don't hesitate. Please don't be kept from here. Okay? So <clears throat> uh, the next thing is, is um, you know, some of the things that I'm going to say today, and the nice thing about this parable is, is it's very easy to understand when Jesus kind of gives his definitions that he didn't make it overly complicated after he explained it. The difficulty is going to be is some of it's a little heavy to, to hear. Um, but again, I think it's going to be good for those who kind of need to, need to have kind of a check because I know that I personally did. Um, so, you know, knowing if you're the road, that's easy. I kind of just told y'all how that works. You know, if the word of God doesn't get into you, um, then you know that probably you're the road. Okay? So if, if, if the Lord's word doesn't penetrate and get in here, you're probably the road in this parable. And you need to be tilled. You need to not be a road anymore so that his word can go deeper. Okay? And I have a couple examples of what that's like and why that's also important to really check yourself on. Can you imagine if I, thank you, throw the hard heart. Can you imagine if I spent all day preparing this feast for you? Like literally from, I woke up at 5 a.m. and I'm like doing all this different stuff and it's dinner time, so it's been all day. And I invited a bunch of people to come and enjoy this feast. And you get here and you come in and then you sit down and you're like, no, I just want to smell it. I don't want to eat your food. I'm good. I would have rather you just not came, <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you. And I feel like, you know, for those who may be the hard road who come to church, not to say that I don't want you here, but to have God's goodness so close to you and to deny it every single week Honestly, to me, I think is more of an insult to him than not. And he talks about this in 2 Peter 2, 21. 
that honestly, it'd be better to never hear the truth than to hear the truth and not receive it. And so I want to encourage you again, if you feel any kind of inkling at all, you know, come forward and don't, don't hesitate. Because it says, for it would have been better for them to never have known any of the way of righteousness than to after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. Okay. Um, okay. So we'll get into the other kind there. I won't just beat that dead horse or anything like that. So either, either you're feeling what I'm saying or you're not, okay? So the next part is, okay, let's say that you know for a fact that the word of God has penetrated your hearts. You feel it. You have felt it. You feel it from time to time. And you know that Jesus is in here. Great. That's awesome. Okay, so the question then becomes simply, um, which of the other soils are you? So you've already ruled out that you're not the, fr not the road, but are you the rocky soil, or are you the soil surrounded by thorns, or are you the good soil? Okay, um, let's get into that. Um, so on the context of what that looks like, it's a whole lot easier in this situation to work backwards than it is to work forwards. And so we'll just, again, go back to Mark chapter 4. And he gives a very clear understanding at the very end of um, verse uh, 9, I believe it is. Let's see. No. Verse 8. So in 4.8 he says, And there's other seeds that fell onto good soil, and produced grain, growing up, increasing and yielding, 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. So this is the point number two. This is the good soil. If you want to know whether or not you're good soil or not, the question just simply is, are you yielding a harvest? What does a harvest mean in Scripture? Well, according to Luke chapter 10, verse 2, it means that people are being saved. And people are being discipled. So as difficult as this truth is, if you are not leading people to the Lord ever, and you are not discipling people ever, according to that verse, you are not the good soil. That comes with a heavy heart for myself. I cannot tell you the last time that I led someone to Christ. And it's been a long time since I've discipled someone. I'm not the one who says this. It's what the scripture says. Scripture says the good soil, and it literally gives one thing the good soil does. One thing. And that it's yielding a harvest. Now, it gives room for how big that harvest can be. Some's 30, some's 60, some's 100. So you may not have a very big harvest, but you have one. So, are people being led to Christ? If the answer to that is no, you are not the good soil. Are people being discipled by you? If the answer to that is no, you're not the good soil. My friends, that wrecked me. For a long time, I've made a lot of excuses on why I'm the good soil. But according to this passage, I am not. And so, I can either do one of two things. I can do a little bit of introspection, 
maybe a little bit of repentance and try to become the good soil or I can continue as I am. Okay? So we're going to get a little bit more into that and I know that that's not necessarily the most fun thing to hear because maybe there's some of you in here who, like me, haven't led someone to the Lord in a long time. And maybe there's a couple of y'all in here who maybe aren't discipling someone. And... You know, I, I know that that's a hard truth to bear, but in, if y'all want to search this and come back and talk with me and give me another definition of that, by all means, I'm, I'm willing and open to listen, but that's just what I found. Okay? So, <clears throat> I think that we truly need to understand this because if all the parables really do hang on this one, I think that really does indicate so far as where we are going as Christians one way or the other. Because all the other things are hinging on the fact on whether or not we are making disciples. And if we are not making disciples, then what is all the other stuff for? All the other stuff is to inform you in your journey to save people. It's to inform you in your journey of making disciples. It's to inform the road that goes on past this. But if we can't get past this one particular point well, then how can we move on to anything else? And I think that's the reason why it is the key to understanding the rest of them. Because we are here to save people. Satan is actively taking people to hell with him every single day. And hell is a very real place that we have shut out in our mind because we are so focused on our American dream here and our problems that we have today that we've forgotten that none of this matters anyway. We are all going to die. And I don't mean that in a morbid way. It's just the truth. And for those of you who are older, you know it better than others because you've had family and friends that you've had for 30, 40, 50 years. And some of you are the only ones left. And um, I don't want to stand at the end of my life and be like, man, I did not store up any heavenly treasure at all. And I did not save people from the burning fire where after they've been there for 10 million, 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 million years, they are no closer to leaving than when they started. Can you imagine burning for billions and trillions of years and realizing you'd have trillions and trillions of years left, and then after that you have trillions more? <laughs> My goodness. And so, you know, I am being shaken awake this morning, and I want to shake you awake too, that... The only reason why we are not making disciples is because we have found a couple of excuses that I'll go through that are just not true. I'm going to give you the tools to fight those excuses, my friends, for those of you who need it. Because if we are not here to grow the kingdom, then what are we here for? I don't really know. Okay. So um, let's look at uh, just... Uh, where we need to go to look into that, and then, um, and then we'll, 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 tone, we'll change pace a little bit here, okay? So, um, let's just uh, pray one last time. I'll get into it, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go into the other act, practical aspects of it. Jesus, I just want to come, and I just want to ask God that you would tune our hearts to what is about to be said um, Lord, we are not here for any other reason than to truly hear from you. And so I pray, God, that if you have something to say, that you would make it said. And, uh, Lord, that it would, it would do good work. 
God, I am so encouraged by these people. If I was not, I would not share the words that I'm sharing because I believe in them. And so I just pray, Lord, that you would touch all of us and do what you want to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So there's only two real reasons why we are not making disciples according to this passage. So you have the rocky soil and you have the thorny soil. So for those of you who this is touching into your heart, I want you just to stop and take a second and answer the question to yourself, why am I not making disciples? Why am I not telling people about Jesus? Why is no one being saved through me? Even if it's one a year, why is no one hearing about him? If you said anything about how someone else feels in your heart, maybe that they would be offended or um, you're scared what they would say or you don't want to turn anyone off, um, anything about how someone else may feel or being offended or you're wanting to be more loving through your actions rather than through words, if there's anything along those lines, then probably you're the rocky soil. Okay? Um, you just don't have enough root in and of yourself to um, know that the fear that you have is actually about yourself and rather than about them. You know, it talks about it and it says that the, the word, it didn't, the Lord's word didn't have enough root to go down deeper into you, okay? Um, and here's the fact of the matter. If you are in Christ, you are not that other person's. You're not theirs. They're not the ones who dictate your life. And honestly, you're not even your own. It says in 1 Corinthians, it says, you are no longer your own. You were bought with a price. So here it is. Or do you not know that the body of yours is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. So you have to come face to face with this reality. If you are in Christ... You have to quit thinking about yourself first. You have to. Because you are not your own. That is the reality of it. Jesus came. He bought you. He purchased you. You are his. And he's free as such to do what he wants to with you. Okay? So if he wants you to preach to your neighbor across the street, by God, he has the right to do it. If he wants to use you to preach to your family member, by God, he has the right to do it. And when you really get into the heart of the matter, and we'll go into it more, it's because he loves you that he wants to exercise that right. Not because he likes for you to feel uncomfortable or to feel ashamed, but because he loves that neighbor and he loves you. And Mossy, um, or I can't say his name, never mind, my friend, uh, with all the things that he faces, uh, tells me about this inexpressible joy that he has in the midst of facing persecution and the fact that he's on the run from the police in Algeria and the threat of being thrown into prison for the rest of his life. And he's like, I can't explain it to you, but I have more joy than I even know what to do with in those times. And it's for the sake of that joy that I want y'all to be able to experience some of those similar things. So yeah, you're going to be rejected when you preach the gospel. 
1 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16 is a great example of that. It says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, which means foolishness. And he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. It's only the spiritual person that judges all things, but it is to himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. And so the natural person is not going to receive what you have to say. It's only those who are to be born again. And we need to anticipate that. But um, there will be those who do. There's another place where it says, to one you'll be preaching, and it's like you're preaching the fragrance of life. And to the other one you're preaching, it's like you're preaching the fragrance of death. Um, which is another way of saying, you'll put on a perfume and half the people will tell you, man, that smells good. And the other people will be like, you smell like flipping gasoline. It's awful. So, um, you know, you have to just go and wear the perfume regardless of how people are going to receive it. And last, we have to do it because the Lord called us to do it. Matthew 28, I won't get into that. Um, so if you want to be the good soil, you need to go to God and quit telling him um, why he can't do the things that he wants to do with you. Instead, you have to come with a heart that says, Lord, if you want to use me, use me. And if I'm uncomfortable, I'm uncomfortable. I'm willing to be for your sake because I love you and I know you love them. Okay. So the second thing is, is if when I asked you that question, if you said anything about being too busy in any shape, form, or fashion, well, then probably you're being choked out by the thorns. And that's just kind of how it is. That's the camp that, honestly, I find myself more into. I do point number one. I've, I, will, I will admit that all day long, but I also very much do point number two. I'm too busy. Man, I'm like sitting here... Uh, picking up the kids, we're going to the grocery store, we have 10 things to be into after that. I may have someone across from me who I feel the Holy Spirit telling me to preach the gospel to, and I'm like, yeah, God, but that's going to be a 25-minute conversation, and I got places to be and things to do. So as much as I love you, no thank you. I'm not going to do that. Or you see your neighbor outside across the street, and you're pulling weeds, and you can either have a 30-second conversation about the weather and be done with it, or you can have a 30-minute conversation about the gospel probably going to choose the conversation about the weather. It's quicker, it's easier, it's more comfortable, and I don't have to think about it, okay? And um, that's just kind of how it is, is I'm thinking constantly about how I need to provide. I'm thinking constantly about how I need to make sure that my lawn doesn't look like a wreck, or um, how we need to do laundry because we haven't done laundry in three weeks, or, man, you can fill in the blank of whatever it is, and not to say that we don't need to do all those things because we do, but it's like, I really can't take 30 seconds out of my day just to simply tell someone that God loves them. I'm like, that is, that is a lie that we believe. It's a lie. It's a lie. You could tell someone that Jesus loves them, give them your phone number, and then say, if you want to follow up with this, please call me. And if they never call you, they never called you. But... You know, we're not going to be sitting on our deathbed and being like, man, I spent way too much time telling people about the gospel. I really wish I would have taken better care of my lawn. I really wish I would have gotten more of that laundry done than I left sitting there. Gosh darn it. That's just a bold-faced lie. It's one I believe all the time. The nice thing about this whole thing is, is that God... Put it in here so that we can see it. 
He wanted you to know if you're the rocky so- or the, 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 the road. He wanted you to know that. If he didn't, he wouldn't have told you about it. He wanted you to know if you're the rocky soil. He wanted you to know if you were the thorny soil or the good. And the only reason why he does that, so that you can take a registration of yourself and say, where am I? So that you can then come to him and he can change you. That's a great, wonderful, awesome thing. He could have left us in the dark and uh, we could have just been guessing as much as we wanted to. You know, there's a verse in uh, James where he says, um, you say that you can show me your faith without works. I say that I will show you my faith by my works. And it is so easy, and I have definitely fallen into the category, well, well, no, like, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a pretty big deal. I'm an executive pastor. <laughs> You know, I went to seminary twice. I got an undergraduate and a master's degree. And by, by no means, I would never say this out loud. But anyone who comes in who's walking around like they're a spiritual anything, I'm like, in the, my, my heart of hearts, I'm like, well, I also am pretty spiritual too, you know. It's kind of whatever. Kind of a deal. But I think if you're really going to be anything, it should be, you know, how willing and ready are you to simply tell someone about Jesus? And not that you need to stand on the, on the corner with the bullhorn. I will never, ever encourage that, ever. Um, but I think that we have forgotten what Scripture says about the gospel. G- Mossy, as much as I love him, and I said his name again, but it is what it is. Um, English is his third language. If you've ever sat down and have a conversation with him, he is not the most eloquent English speaker you've ever met. He's just not. You don't sit down with the guy and be like, man, he is ridiculously charismatic. I want to listen to everything that he says. He's like, yeah, I went to the store. Yes, store. Yes, yes, yes. And yet he has led English-speaking people to Jesus. And you know why that is? Only because he told them the gospel. That's it. You know, and all too often, we we put this huge barrier in the way. I'm not a pastor. I don't know what words to say. I don't know what to do. I'm really uncomfortable. He's told me he's uncomfortable when he shares it. (laughs) That's part of it. But, man, if someone who uses it as their third language can brokenly tell someone about him and lead them to Christ, by all means, so can we. The only reason why we aren't seeing people saved is only because we're not telling anybody. It says in here that one plants and other waters, God gives the increase. My friends, people being saved has nothing to do with you, with your eloquence, your choice of words, how much you know the Bible. It has nothing to do with that. It only has to do with the fact that you just have to simply tell them. If you will find an excuse at all throughout the year to share the gospel, I promise someone will get saved. I promise you. It's a guarantee. You know, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of peace because it is that that is the power of God unto salvation. And he gives no other claims to anything. He doesn't say it is also speaking that is the power of God and also vocabulary and also seminary degrees or there is literally nothing else. He's like, just share the gospel and it will do the work for you. I promise. You take the seed, you plant it in, you throw water in it and somehow the seed grows. You don't even have to do anything else. And um, we just need to find more and more excuses to do it instead of not to do it. That's all we need to do. 
if we will simply find an excuse, some way, shape, or form, on a regular basis, share the gospel with someone, I guarantee you, you'll start seeing people saved. And then you'll have an opportunity to disciple them. And then you'll take a step back, however many years later it is, and you'll be like, how did this even work like this? I can't believe how many lives were changed. And I didn't even really do anything. I just simply told them about them. You know, the amazing thing is, is Jesus said it clearly that the harvest is plentiful. You just need more laborers. And to be a laborer, all you have to do is simply share the gospel. That's it. And so I encourage you to say that, that we all have our fears and we all have our busyness. and We all have our reasons on why our lives are the way that they are. And I totally get it. The encouraging thing is, is you can very easily shift from any soil that you are to the good soil if you'll just simply do that one thing. Just start telling people about Jesus. It doesn't have to be really eloquent or anything like that. As a matter of fact, most of what you say could be like, I, I don't know. Hey man, I want to tell you about Jesus. What about homosexuality? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What about abortion? I don't know. But I do know about Jesus. Do you know about him? Now, I guess I don't really know about him, but what about, you're like, look, man, I don't really know about all that. You can be dumb as you want to be, or not dumb, but ignorant as you want to be on that particular subject. You don't have to be an expert where you're like, well, I have this great, awesome theological argument about this particular thing. You don't need to know all that. Just be like, let me just tell you this one thing I do know. And that's that Christ loves you and he died for you. That, and I know that I personally felt pretty dead until I accepted that message in my own life. And now I feel alive. I just wanted you to know that. And if you will simply do that, I guarantee you there'll be those even who are the hardest of hearts who will change. Okay? So I just want to encourage y'all with that. Because, um, you know, if we will start looking to do that, I think that um, the Lord will really start to move in our midst. And we'll start to feel a lot of the freedom that we're looking to feel. You know, thankfully, the scriptures is clear that if you will seek his kingdom first, he somehow adds everything unto you. And I'll tell you, the busiest times of my life when I was much more active to share his gospel are the times that somehow the things <laughs> didn't make sense made sense. You know, it's like, man, like I just took this guy out to dinner. That was my, probably my last dollar. I'm not going to financially make it. And then all of a sudden... Financial blessing literally came out of nowhere. And I don't say that to say of, oh, we'll preach the or share the gospel so that you'll be financially blessed. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just simply saying, if you put him first, somehow the other little things work themselves out. It's, it's absolutely amazing how that works, truly. And so um, just finding the time to do that. And then I'm going to add one last little clarifying point on that. Um, and then we can start heading towards the direction of closing. If you wanted to be more effective in sharing the gospel, the most effective thing, in my opinion, that you can do isn't to go to a seminary and and learn the Greek or learn the Hebrew. It isn't to listen to this apologetist about this particular argument. But to instead do the best that you can to love the person across from you. 
Um, the one bad thing that I've heard about sharing of the gospel, and it's the only negative side of it, is the gospel shared in the form of condemnation rather than in the form of acceptance. You know, God hates you. You're going to burn in hell. Not that um, hell isn't an option, because for some it's unfortunately true. But it says clearly in Scripture that God desires no one to perish. No one. And it's not people that he hates, it's Satan. It says that your true enemy is Satan and that they are bound by him. And uh, making it about things that it's not supposed to be about, you know, politics and other um, silly things like that as if somehow that was related to Jesus when Jesus never spoke about politics ever. Um, you know, really... It's just having the fruits of the Spirit, showing them patience and kindness and gentleness, having self-control in and of ourselves, um, you know, having meekness, having all these particular qualities that living like if they will accept Jesus, he really will accept them. You know, like uh, an outlandish notion. I had a friend of mine who... Um, Unfortunately, this church had missed the mark a little bit and was having a, uh, a drag queen show at their church. Okay. And not that I'm necessarily a fan of that, because I think that's a little misguided. I do. But they could have done something to the effect of, hey, drag queens are in town. We'd love to take you out to lunch. Go get coffee with you. Have a conversation with you. I would love to sit down with the drag queen and tell them how much Jesus loves them. That he died for them. You know, because the truth of the matter is, is sinners are going to sin. It's like yelling at the dog not to bark. What an outlandish notion to think that they can do anything other than what they're going to do without Christ. And to tell them to change without him is inadvertently saying that they can change without Jesus. It's kind of saying you don't need Jesus to them. You know, they have no hope outside of that message. No hope. And uh, for us to hold them to any kind of standard at all is ridiculous. And so to love them where they are at and to treat them with kindness with where they're at, even if they are completely off the deep end, my friends, that's what we are called to do. It's to, to go and spend time with them as if Jesus loves them and to tell them. Now, by all means, they may reject your message, and that's fine. And they may continue in their path of sin and destruction. That's fine. You know, you're not going to go and be like, oh, okay, well, to win you over, I'm going to be a drag queen too. I don't think that's effective. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that I don't go and, and take the time and make myself uncomfortable and show them a little bit of love. And so, you know, just having the fruit of the Spirit and meeting people where they're at, and it could be any anything you want to fill into, you know, because some people, um, it's the smaller things that are bigger than the bigger things. You know, they'd go um, have lunch with someone who's completely off the rails rather than have someone who steps on their lawn, you know, or, you know, it's, it's funny how that works, but it is how it is. Um, so, and the only way that we're going to do that is just staying connected to the vine, spending time with Jesus, realizing that we really need him more than we say we do. Uh, you know, we act a lot of times like, man, Lord, like, I wish you were here, but, you know, I, it's only here recently that um, I've started again spending more time with him. We uh, had three full years in a row of not sleeping through the night, not a single night. 
And uh, so we were just surviving on whatever sleep we could get. You know, if we got flipping four hours in a row, man, we were hitting a home run over here. So if you see more white hairs over here, you know what it is about. Uh, but now just trying to fit him in just because, you know, I, I want him uh, to fill me up with the fruit because um, when you don't have that, you're just, there's no way. You can't produce it in and of yourself. So all this is pretty simple. We just need to pray, fast, love, evangelize, and then eventually disciple. There's no magic bullet to this. You know, we could try programs. We could try um, all the different funny things that churches are doing because that's really what they're doing. They're, their church model isn't working, so they're incorporating, well, how can we make our church model work? Let's, you know, kind of throw in this crazy thing over here, and maybe that will work. There's no magic bullet. We just have to do it. We just have to pray. We have to fast. We have to love, evangelize, disciple. If we're not willing to do those things, it'll never work. That's just how it is. We're always trying to find out, well, what is this church doing over here that's not one of those things, and incorporate it because it feels a little easier. But really, that's what it comes down to is, just those things. And honestly, in my opinion, there's never been a better time to do it. I think people are more receptive to the gospel because of the last three years than they ever have been. COVID did a wonderful number with that. We saw a lot of people come to Christ through COVID. A lot of people. And, uh, you know, those revivals that were happening up north, I think, were fact of, the, of these younger people are looking for something. Some kind of hope. Some kind of truth, some kind of something that's steadfast. Man, we've had everything shaken, it feels like, that can be shaken. And, um, you know, I think that um, uh, the media tells us all the time about how we're more disconnected than we've ever been. And I think we have more of an opportunity to be connected than we ever have been, truthfully. So I think it's a really good time to do it. So um, I'll close here. I... Um, I genuinely, in my heart of hearts, even if it doesn't feel like it, hope that this was encouraging to you. You know, for some of those, it may have been a difficult word to hear, just like it was for me when I was preparing. Um, but either you're already doing that and you can be encouraged that, man, yes, I'm good soil. This is awesome. Or you can be like, man, I'm not, but that's okay. Jesus, you got some work to do in me. Let's do it. And really, those are the only two places that um, I find people in. And I want to encourage you either way. My friend, if you're doing it, keep up the good work. It's awesome. And if you're not, my friend, it's okay. You're going to. I believe that wholeheartedly in my heart of hearts. So um, I'm going to close. Uh, I'll be down here to pray um, if anyone wants to join me. Um, so it could be salvation. It could be encouragement. It could be a prayer of um, healing. It could be literally anything you want it to do. So don't think that just because you come down here to the front that people are going to think you're not saved or something. Uh, prayer for anything. I'm happy to pray with you. You're my brothers and sisters, and I want to encourage you in any way that I can. So please come down if you need to. And, um, and uh, yeah, and then we'll close from there. So if, uh, yeah, if y'all want to come up, then that'll be good. So let's pray together. Jesus, I'm just so thankful for this opportunity to be here. God, I'm so thankful just for your kindness, just to speak uh, to me and just to um, encourage me, Lord, in this work that you've given me. God, I'm so grateful, Lord, that you allow me to be a part of it. Lord, that you give us the only tool necessary to be able to bring about salvation for others, and then you 
We just simply say the words, you do the work, and then somehow you give us credit for it. <laughs> what an amazing gift. And God, we see a lot of people, Lord, who are hurting and who are broken and who honestly just need a touch from you. And I pray, God, that our fear would not allow us not to reach out to them, not to love them, not to tell them about you. Lord, they can try everything in the world, God, to try to fix the problem that only you can fix and come up short. And so I just pray, God, that you would just be the life that fills in the void and gives them what it is that they need. Um, for those of us, Lord, who haven't felt your presence in a long time, I pray, Lord, that you would tell them that you are not angry with them. God, that you are not distant from them on purpose. And that, Lord, if they will simply come to you now, you will meet them where they're at. You're not upset, Lord, that they haven't had the time to spend with you. But you will be upset if, Lord, they just don't simply try to meet with you now. So please, Lord, allow them to enter into your presence, to connect to the vine, Lord, and to know what life is like again whenever they're walking in your presence. To know, Lord, that you hold the whole world in your hands. All the turmoil we face and the things that we see, God, can wipe away in an instant, Lord, at your very breath. And so, God, may we be encouraged because, Lord, we're connected to you. Fill your people up. Use them, God, and bless them, Lord, in a way that only you can. And may you get all the glory from it. In Jesus' name, amen.